The Lessons Learned for Vets podcast is proud to be brought to you by AFMA, the American Armed Forces Mutual Aid Association. Established in 1879, they are the longest standing nonprofit association empowering military families with affordable financial solutions for generations. Offering life insurance, wealth management, mortgages, survivor assistance, and other benefits, AFMA is here to support you through every stage of life. AFMA is dedicated to helping service members be financially and logistically ready for life after the military. To support you in this process, AFMA would like to offer you their free downloadable transition timeline, a step-by-step guide to help you create a comprehensive military transition plan. Let AFMA help you get ready for your next step by visiting afma.com backslash LL4V. That's A-A-F-M-A-A.com slash LL, the number four, V or clicking the link in the show notes. Welcome to the Lessons Learned for Vets podcast, your military transition debrief from the veteran mentors who've gone before you. My name is Lori Norris, and I've been teaching veterans how to successfully navigate their military transition since 2005. I'm a civilian who speaks the language of all branches of the U.S. military, and I'm on a mission to educate veterans in the job search marketing process. This podcast shares the military transition hot washes and after action reports of your fellow veterans to smooth your own path out of the military. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to the Lessons Learned for Vets podcast. Today, you're going to get a solo episode with just me. And I want to talk to you about a really important topic, and that is nonverbal communication. Did you know that only 7% of how you communicate with the world is the words that come out of your mouth? So more than 93% of how you engage with the world is nonverbal communication. So if we think about nonverbal communication, it includes your grooming, your how you're dressed, your body language, your tone of voice. There's so many aspects that I want to talk to you about today. If you really think about like your professional image, it's so much more than what you wear, the clothes that you wear. It's really a head to toe consideration and it's really powerful. Whether that's right or it's wrong, people make impressions of you um, pretty quickly. They say um, you get, people make an impression within the first seven seconds and it takes seven more meetings to meet with them to erase a bad first impression. So whether it's right, whether it's wrong, whether it's fair or not fair, it's just true. And really, I want to talk to you today about kind of the art of managing your image and kind of planning how you look and act to get the desired reaction. And this is really in interviews and networking situations, in phone interviews, because believe it or not, nonverbal communication comes through even on a phone interview. Um, Videos that you share of yourself, video interviews, everything. So I want you to know, like education, experience, and skill in an interview especially are not all that matter. If that was all they cared about was your qualifications, your education, your skills, they would just hire you on the res based on your resume because of your credentials. So the resume gets you to the interview. The interview itself, as I've said here on the show before, is based more on feelings. How do they feel like you fit into the team? How do they feel like you're going to re- represent them as a company? So 
you know, if you think about what is your professional image, it is the opinion or concept of someone as an expert that is held by the public. It's your reputation, right? It's who you are to others. And there are kind of five key factors to your image, and it just so happens that they make up the acronym IMAGE, right? So the I stands for impression. So making that positive first impression. The M stands for movement, so it's your body language. And honestly, your body language is far more important than the words coming out of your mouth. If the words coming out of your mouth don't match your body language, people are going to believe their eyes before they believe their ears. So those have to be in alignment. The A is our attitude, right? So we can control our response, our attitude to what happens. Um, the G stands for grooming, right? So that just shows that you take care of yourself, that you value yourself. And the E stands for etiquette. So it's how you handle yourself in a business setting. So those are kind of the five key factors of your image. So some of the benefits of really having that positive professional image is that you are more effective and productive when you have that positive image. Your positive image is equal to a positive attitude, right? You know, they say when you look good, you feel good. And that's really quite true. Um, it just ups your confidence level. So you have that increased confidence and that increased effectiveness when you have a positive professional image. Um, it opens doors, opens opportunities. And again, this is not about attractiveness. It's about professionalism and taking care of yourself, right? So it just gives you that competitive advantage. Just remember that your image and how you present yourself to the world is within your control at all times. And if you aren't paying attention to kind of that nonverbal communication or that image that you're putting out there, it shows people there is a perception anyway that you don't necessarily care about other people's perception. Um, so it gives that negative first impression and you have to work harder to prove your value. It lowers your reputation and you're less likely to be trusted. And unfortunately, it does kind of lead to kind of negative opinions. So remember, like I said, you get seven to 10 seconds to make a first impression. You got to meet them seven more times to erase a bad first impression. So where we're often very concerned about the impression that we're making is in a networking or a career fair setting or in an interview, right? And you're not going to get seven more chances to erase that bad first impression with someone. So make sure you take advantage of it. So let's talk about some verbal cues and some nonverbal cues that influence kind of how you're perceived. So for verbal, it's your tone of voice. It's your choice of words. It's the attitude that you project when you speak. It's your rate of speech. And it's your enunciation. Are you understandable, right? And then some of your nonverbal cues are your overall appearance, your posture, your facial expressions, your gestures, your clothing, and your hair. So it's grooming, right? So if you think about what you see first, 
when you look at someone, it's funny, the two things that people say they notice first, which is a strange thing, but people notice your shoes and they notice your fingernails. And they look at your fingernails to determine your grooming, right? So how well groomed are you? How well do you take care of yourself? And again, they don't have to be perfect. They just want that to see, are you taking care of them? And they look at your shoes to identify your attention to detail. Just a little fact for you. So um, again, so what do you see? You see things like clothing, body language, posture, people's facial expressions, how much they're gesturing with their hands. You, When you think about what you hear, it's people's pitch, their tone, how fast they're talking, their dialect, the accent that they use, the words that they use. And then also see what you see, what you hear, and then also what you smell, which again, it doesn't really count over the phone. But when you're in person, body, scent or odor, breath, perfume, smoke, food odors, all of those can kind of control your perception. And we're going to talk more about that. And remember, we can't change other people's perceptions, but we can change our chances of being received in a positive manner. And a positive image is the result of careful planning, preparation, and an honest assessment of your image. Okay. So there's three ways that we communicate with the world. We communicate visually, so the things that we can see, right? We communicate vocally, those are the things that we can hear, and we communicate verbally, and that is the words that come out of our mouth. If we look at kind of the breakdown of communication, remember I said 93% is really nonverbal. So we've got 55% body language, 38% tone of voice, and 7% words, the words that are coming out of our mouth. So that 93% of our communication that's nonverbal is a combination of body language and what we're putting out there and the tone of voice that we're using. Really important to think about what we're not saying out loud, but we are communicating loud and clear. Um, One of my favorite quotes says, what you are thunders so loudly, I cannot hear what you say. So just remember that your nonverbal communication will absolutely drown out your verbal communication if you don't pay attention to it. So if you think about, like I said earlier, when you get a mixed message, what do you believe? Do you believe what you hear? or what you see. Humans tend to believe what they see more than what they hear. Let's talk a little bit about some nonverbal communication, and then we'll also get into just how do I dress, right? You've been wearing a uniform and likely haven't had to really think about what you're gonna wear to an interview, what you're gonna wear to a networking event. So we'll talk a little bit about professional dress as well as nonverbal communication. So what I want you to remember is you need to approach this process with an air of confidence, right? And confidence in your posture can be, I hate to say the word faked, but it can be projected even though internally you're nervous, right? And so remember that your confidence in the eyes of a potential employer is equal to competence. 
If you go in confident, they automatically assume you know what you're talking about. So remember, we want our nonverbal communication to project confidence. And we do that with posture, right? We hold our head up high. We put our shoulders up and back. We make good eye contact, right? We are, you know, our shoulders are relaxed. They're not tense. And we're projecting energy and enthusiasm just with the way that we carry ourselves. We want to talk about eye contact, right? We want to always look that interviewer in the eye when we're answering a question. There's nothing wrong with looking away if you want to think about something. But as you're answering a question, you always want to look someone in the eye because that makes them believe that, A, you mean what you say, you're telling the truth, and and B, that you care enough about them to make that connection with them, right? Again, one of the things I want to talk to you here about is just like one of these little tricks that interviewers will use on you. I don't want to bring it up here because eye contact is important to this this interviewer trick. And tell me, you, you may have already experienced this. I'd love to hear your story if you want to send me a message. But one of the oldest interviewer tricks in the book is we'll ask you a question. And then when you finish answering. We just sit with a neutral expression and look at you in silence. And what is our natural response to silence? We want to fill it, right? And so a lot of times what happens is when we're filling silence, we're nervous and we're filling silence. We're talking in an unplanned manner and we might end up talking ourselves out of a job. So what I want you to do the next time someone tries this on you is just smile nicely and say, what else can I answer for you? And let them know that you're finished answering that question. If they keep asking you for more and more details, then you need to expand on your your answers a little bit and give them a few more details each time. But don't sit there and let that nervousness that you're feeling cause you to fill that space. If you're in a panel interview, uh, like say you have more than one person interviewing you at a time, Make sure that you're giving all of the members of the panel, and even if there's someone that's that's come in with the panel but isn't sitting on the panel itself, like make eye contact with them as well as you're talking. We don't know who that person is. One time I had a, a panel interview and the person off in the corner was my future boss. And so really important that you include everyone that came in from the company in your uh, eye contact, making Equal eye contact, kind of as you're talking, moving your eye contact around, making that connection with each person. This is something that I have to worry about is the over, don't over gesture with your hands. I am a hand talker. I am recording this podcast for audio and I am talking with my hands, although I am doing a video too. Most of you won't see the whole video, um, but I do that a lot. I, I uh, Even when I'm on the phone, I will gesture with you as I'm giving you directions. I, I'll tell you, you know, I'll gesture right when I tell you to turn right. Um, so just make sure you're, you're giving kind of smooth, well-paced movements with your hands. We don't want to come across as manic, and um, but it is a way of accentuating your point and coming across as enthusiastic, we just don't want to go too far with it. So don't overdo it. Nervous habits. I bet everybody here listening has a nervous habit. Anybody who's listened to more than one of my shows probably already knows my nervous habits. I have words that I pull out when I get lost. Also, my fingers have to always be busy. So 
If I were holding a pen right now, I would be clicking it. So I'll pick up my pen here. You don't want to hear that in your ear as I'm recording this podcast. So I make sure I never have a pen in my hand when I'm recording or in an interview. Um, So know your nervous habit. If you don't know what it is, ask your loved ones or your coworkers. They know what it is. So I once had a, uh, a boss. I sat in an office next to him and he was a knee jiggler. And he jiggled his knee so much that it would shake the wall between our offices. So again, your nervous habits are giving you away. So just every few minutes when you're in a situation, just kind of take an inventory of what your body's doing. (laughs) Am I sitting up straight? Am I making nervous habits? Am I over gesturing with my hands? Am I making eye contact? So is my nervous habit giving me away? I did an interview with somebody once who did click his pen nonstop the entire interview, and it took every ounce of control I had not to take the pen away from him. So we don't want you to annoy your interviewer with your nervous habit. Think about your face. What is your face doing in an interview? And one of the things I always say is don't forget to smile. You're in an interview because you're there to show them that you'd be a great addition to their team. And so you want to come across as friendly, as someone who is going to fit in. And so we tend to get so serious and nervous and worked up about the stress of an interview. We forget what our face is doing. And uh, again, don't forget to smile, right? And your face really says so much. Um, Well, I know my face does. My face communicates sometimes more than my words do. Um, But keep that in mind. What is your face doing at any given time? So just think about the message that you're conveying with your expression. Let's go from, so we've talked posture, we've talked body language. Now let's talk about our tone of voice. We want to project enthusiasm with our tone of voice. And, you know, if you have ever been in a situation where you've lost someone, maybe you're teaching a class or giving a speech, or even you're in an interview and you can tell you've lost their attention, just the tone of voice that you use, uh, maybe pausing for a moment or getting a little bit more excited or quieting it down so they're like, oh, something changed. I need to pay attention again. And so you can use your tone of voice to keep people's attention and keep them engaged in the conversation that you're having with them. Be sure to enunciate. I tend to talk fast. It's just what I've always done. And sometimes I have to like very consciously slow myself down so that I don't talk too fast and then start to run my words together. Um, you know, so make sure you speak up. I, uh, I, could never have imagined that I would have a podcast where I had a, more than 100 episodes out there because I think my voice is, well, it's, we'll just call it, it's not a podcast voice, a typical podcast voice. And so um, I just had to figure out how to get my point across and get my tone of voice, something that, that people would want to listen to. Um, but I am a quieter person by nature. And so I if you are known for that, speak up. If you, people often tell you you have a booming voice and you're interviewing with someone who's very quiet, you want to maybe soften your voice a little bit to just match their pacing and their kind of level of enthusiasm. Watch the uhs, the ums, the likes. You know, 
I'm sure you all know what my words are that I use way too much. Um, and just don't talk too fast when you're talking. Let's talk handshakes. I know that the it is a you know something that we we want to shake their hand and show them who's boss, right? But a handshake really communicates so much. And the thing about a handshake is, like, if you're a man shaking a woman's hand, you want to shake her hand as firmly as you would a man. So if you're like, well, I can't do that, then you're probably shaking hands too firmly. It's not, it's not a bone crusher, right? So there's like, I have four different kinds of handshakes that I talk about. The dead fish, right? That's just like nothing, right? No, no enthusiasm, no confidence, no personality. It's just a, a hand there. There's the bone crusher, which is way too aggressive. It's like a power move. Let's see who flinches first. There's the delicate flower where you just barely touch them and act like they're going to break if you squeeze too hard. And then there's the sandwich where you shake their hand and you close your hand over theirs. And that's just too casual and too personal for a business setting. So just firm, confident, enthusiastic handshake speaks volumes about you. Um, and so don't, if, if you are a man interviewing with a woman, you don't want to shake her hand like a delicate flower. You should shake her hand firmly, enthusiastically. Of course, you don't want to squeeze her hand to death. Um, but again, remember these things, right? So if you're not getting the results that you want in an interview, of course, you want to think about how am I answering the questions, right? How am I preparing for the interview? But I also want you to look at how am I coming across in an interview? Am I coming across as friendly, as likable, as someone that would fit well into their team? And really think about how are people responding to you? That is the body language part of the nonverbal communication. Now, I want to talk a little bit about clothing. What should you wear to an interview? And really, like, how do you communicate with people based on how you dress, right? So what do you communicate with your clothing? First and foremost, you communicate self-esteem. Like, what people see outside reflects how you feel about yourself. Show self-respect, right? So it is, again... A, an indicator of your confidence, your organizational skills, your soundness of judgment, right? Your attention to detail, your creativity, your reliability, right? Like, can I count on you for big picture things and small details? Believe it or not, all of these things are kind of extrapolated from the way that you dress. And so, Let's talk a little bit about just some things that we can do with our attire to make a positive first impression in like a networking event, a career fair, or a job interview. A couple of things I want to go through with you and then I'll get into some detail on, on them. But first and foremost, I want you to remember to dress for the position for which you are interviewing. Now, my recommendation is dress one step above how you would go to work every day. So, if you find out that this company wears jeans and t-shirts to work every day, then one step above that would be like a pair of like a khaki or docker style, like chino pants and a collared shirt, maybe a collared short sleeve shirt, right? 
Um, if you're going to wear that cut that for uh, every day, then maybe you go with a dress shirt and a pair of dress slacks, right? So you kind of just take it a step above what you would wear to work every day. Now, let you say, I don't have any idea how they how they dress. Well, you can do a little bit of reconnaissance. You can go online to uh, Glassdoor and see a little bit about the company's culture. You can do some informational interviews internally. Or there's always the good old fashioned, you know, the uh, go park outside when people get off work and see how they're how they're dressed for work, right? But you've got to do some research and find out what is appropriate for the industry, for the company. You want to show that you've done your research and that you're going to fit in. You know, my dad was uh, owned a automotive shop, an automotive repair shop his whole life. Um, started out with gas stations. When I was 10 years old, I was cleaning gas station bathrooms. And then went on to own like automotive repair places. Um, and you could eat off of his shop floor at the end of every day. Like they cleaned their shop so well that it was not, a he did not allow it to be dirty. If someone came in to interview for a job with him and they came in in a three-piece suit, of course, he would not have considered probably hiring them because they weren't dressed appropriately for the interview. But I will tell you, if someone came in in ripped jeans and a dirty t-shirt to interview for him, he also probably wouldn't have hired that person either. And so his standards were, were very high in terms of cleanliness and the professional image of his business. His guys all wore uniforms every day and his shop was immaculate. And so he would want you to dress for the position to show that you demonstrated that you know his approach to his business. That again, think about dressing for where you're interviewing. I want you, when you decide what you're going to wear to an interview, to you know a networking event, I want you to be comfortable. And no, that doesn't mean go in sweatpants and Crocs. But I want you to wear something that is comfortable to you. If you're going in all day thinking, oh my gosh, my feet hurt from wearing these heels, or I can't believe I'm wearing this tie and it's choking me, and you're not comfortable in the clothes that you're wearing, then you're not going to be yourself at that event. And I would challenge you to say, like, I want your clothes to fit comfortably. I want you to feel comfortable in them. And if you're going out interviewing for jobs that require you to wear a three-piece suit and tie and you're not comfortable in that, then maybe you're not hitting the right target for where you're going to fit well. So comfortable in terms of fit and comfortable in terms of you feel like yourself in those clothes. Now, I know you're going to say, well, I'm the only thing I'm really comfortable in is my uniform because that's what I've worn for the last 23 years. And I will challenge you to say that you don't wear your uniform on the weekends. You don't wear your uniform hanging out with friends. And so there are going to be other times where you're going to wear something other than a uniform. And some people wear a uniform and are still very comfortable in a suit. Um, and so really think about where, what do you feel comfortable in when you're not wearing that uniform? I want you to dress conservatively for your interview. Um, again, unless you're in something that's very creative and art driven, being more conservative is going to be better because we want them at the end of the interview day, 
You don't want them to remember what you wore. We want you them to remember you as a candidate. So in this process, your attire is the supporting actor, right? We want um, to avoid those bright or power colors, right? So we'll talk more about that later. Make sure your clothes are fresh, neat, clean, pressed. Gentlemen, when you take a shirt out of the packaging, it's got those <laughs> fold marks. Make sure those are gone. Uh, make sure we've cut tags off of our new clothing and things like that, right? So that we, um, you know, like the vent at the back of a suit coat comes in sewn shut. Same with like ladies' um, skirts. Make sure that that is cut and so that, you know, it doesn't, it's not obvious that it's brand new clothes. Um, shoes should be in good repair, not scuffed. They should go with the outfit. Remember I said that's one of the things people look at first are your shoes. They look at your attention to detail. Um, I think you're pretty well used to knowing how to get those shoes taken care of, though. Uh, jewelry should be sparse. We don't want every time you gesture for your bracelets to, to jingle or, you know, your three nose rings to be distracting to them. So sparse jewelry. I want you to avoid perfume or cologne. And here's why. Uh, there's really two reasons. First of all, are there are many people out there that are allergic highly allergic to perfume and cologne and we don't know who they are going in and so we don't want to be you know if you're in an interview in a small space with someone who is allergic to perfume and you've got it on they just want you to go away so that they can breathe again and they don't have a headache anymore um, and they're not going to be listening to a word you say because they just want you to go away so that they can feel better deodorant good perfume cologne, I would say no. And the second reason for that is that our sense of smell is very associative. And let's say you come in wearing the same cologne as my deadbeat husband that left me with three dogs and two kids and a mortgage last year. Um, and I'm not going to associate, my husband did do that by the way, uh, but I am going to associate you negatively with that person. And again, we don't even know that we feel negatively toward you. We just feel that way. I want you to avoid smoking prior to the interview. I hope this isn't a newsflash to you, but um, smoking does have a scent to it. And so what are some negative things people might think about if you come in smelling like cigarettes? Maybe you're going to take more smoke breaks than more breaks than others because you're going to want a smoke break. Uh, maybe you're going to cost more on their health care because you're a smoker. So it's going to cost them a higher premium. Um, and maybe, just maybe, their dad passed away from lung cancer a month ago. And it's going to remind them of, again, remember that associative sense of smell, something negative. So if you're a smoker, my recommendation to you would be that you don't smoke before you go in an interview. All right. And then when you finish that interview, you can go out and put like three in at once and catch up. But don't smoke before the interview because you will go in smelling like cigarettes and we don't want that makeup should be conservative uh conservative colors you know nothing too out outrageous ladies um fingernails should be clean and neatly trimmed your hair should be neat combed worn out of the face um i know that when you get out of the military you like to let your beard grow you like to let your hair grow um you know i, I there are companies that don't care right? That's not a big deal to them. Um, and you're going to have to do your research. Uh, just know that there are some more conservative companies out there that 
won't be as open to that. And especially if you're out representing them, you've got to do a little bit of research and say, okay, maybe I got to wait until I get the job to grow the beard. Um, but it's really, you've got to take a look and see how um, how important it is. You know, tattoos used to be a much bigger issue than they are today. And so I would say that if you are um, heavily tattooed, you might want to go to the interview in a long sleeve shirt. Um, but again, do your research, find out how important it is to the company um, and before you go in and, and make that decision. Teeth and breath should be clean and fresh and just check your appearance in a mirror before you leave for the interview. And my recommendation would be get dressed for the interview and put a chair in front of a full length mirror and sit down in that chair in front of that mirror and see what happens. Ladies, when we sit down, our skirts get shorter, right? Or things bulge where they didn't bulge before, like buttons move. And so uh, this is coming from someone who once taught a class with my shirt unbuttoned. My, as I had been driving to the class, my seatbelt had unbuttoned my, my blouse and it had a tie, but then like the three buttons below that were unbuttoned and it took like 15 minutes into the class before someone gestured me over and told me my shirt was unbuttoned. So you don't want to do that, right? We don't want to go into the interview that way. So don't be like me. Uh, that's the bottom line. So check that appearance in a mirror, sit down, see how it looks, make sure that you are happy with how everything looks. Bottom line, people should not remember your clothes. As I said, they are a, play a supporting role in this process. So there is a, like some, some kind of general rules of thumb. But again, the best option is for you to do some research. Think about kind of what you should be wearing. If you think about kind of the... um you know, the, the rules of thumb, it, they change. It depends on the company's attire. I think the people that are going in and suits, you know, men with suits and ties, women with like professional skirt or pantsuits, um, they're getting smaller than they used to be. So again, do your research because you don't want to come in underdressed any more than you want to come in overdressed. I do not recommend wearing jeans even to a job where you're going to wear jeans every day. I always recommend going kind of that next step up and, and wearing just a, a little bit dressier pant than a jean. Um, I, you know, again, just, just as a rule of thumb. Some, you know, good colors, again, stay neutral in your suits, like gray, navy, blue, um, black. Black can be perceived as a power color. So if you're going to wear a black suit, just make sure you don't pair it with another power color like red. Um, it might be just too much, right? So make sure it's clean, ironed. Guys, don't forget where you put your sunglasses. A lot of times you put them on your head or on the back of your head, like leave them in the car. Um, beware of like a bunch of stuff in your pocket so that you jingle every time that you walk. Um, and again, just keep in mind, clean, conservative, and matching the, the company's image. Just some things to think about. I really want you to think about the, like, just, I want to go through a couple of like interview fashion mistakes. I want you to avoid these. So ladies, if you're carrying a purse, 
or even a gentleman, if you're carrying a briefcase, it's important that you don't put that down on someone else's desk. So tuck it next to you in the, you know, on the ground, underneath your chair, in an adjacent chair, but never put your stuff on someone else's desk. There's sometimes very I'm very particular about that space. Um, we talked about the, you know, your sunglasses. Like, think about your transit gear, your headphones, your sunglasses, right? So, like, take it off, tuck it away, leave it in your car, whatever you need to do. But it should not be visible in the interview. Again, if you think about, for gentlemen, your tie, your tie can say so much. Um, so, it should be no less than three and three quarters of an inch wide. So know those skinny ties, make it a conservative pattern, um, stripes or something small. Not like my husband has this one that has neon dinosaurs on it. We don't want to wear that one, right? That's probably not a good interview tie. Um, And just make sure it's not overly bright. Um, Same with colors and clothing, nothing overly bright or patterned in clothing. Um, I once went to an interview and the person that was coming out of the interview, right as I was going in, it was a woman. She was about um, probably about 6'2", which is pretty memorable as a woman. And she was dressed head to toe in fuchsia. It's like a hot pink pantsuit. And she looked great. But I would venture to guess at the end of the day, they remembered her as the tall lady with the pink suit on. Um, and so because what she was wearing stood out so much more um, that so we want again, we want the clothing to be a supporting character. Heavy makeup on women or really any makeup on a man again is this a little different now, um, but just beware of the the appropriateness of the work environment. Guys and girls really like uh, make sure your socks match your shoes. Um, make sure your your clothing isn't rumpled or stained or wrinkled. Um, make sure that your footwear isn't scuffed or dirty um, or inappropriate to the outfit. Make sure your belt matches your shoes. So again, just make keep be aware of those uh, telltale signs like tags and the the seams being so. I mean the pockets being sewn shut and such that your clothing is brand new. Just some things to think about. Things for you to think about to have that successful nonverbal communication, that successful image, right? We wanna look the part. So changing or improving your image is not being deceitful. It's not compromising. It's being smart and taking advantage of an opportunity. So be sure that you look the part of the position for which you're interviewing. I want you to act the part. I want you to understand the importance of nonverbal communication. Make sure you walk the walk, you talk the talk, that when you act the part, you become the part, right? So again, that leads us to our third part is I want you to be the part, right? So we want you to appear capable. We want you to come across as friendly and congenial. We want you to come across as approachable and friendly and that you appear to be consistent and trustworthy. And then I want you to think the part. I want you to think your way to success with a positive attitude, okay? So I always said somebody, I can't remember who said this, but it's to go from wanting something to having something, you must do something. 
So I want your image to communicate positivity, right? When you're negative, when your image communicates negativity, you've lost control of your message. And when your details are wrong, your how like your your positively your impact is very much negatively impacted. So we don't want that. Again, I want you to take control of your nonverbal communication. It is absolutely one of the things that you can control. You can control how you dress and you don't have to spend a fortune. You can find amazing things at secondhand stores like Savers and Goodwill. Um, one of the tricks that we always talk, talk to people about is like go to a nicer part of town I'm in the greater Phoenix area. I would go over to the East Valley, to the Scottsdale area, and go to the Goodwills in that part of town. And and you would be amazed at the higher level of quality that people are donating. There are places like Salute to Suit where you can get inexpensively outfitted. um, And so people that will help you as a veteran. Um, There are so many resources out there. You don't have to go out and spend a bunch of money to come across as a professional. Okay. So you've got to kind of go out and make it happen and really take control of your image. Really think about your nonverbal communication. What are you saying without even opening your mouth? So I hope you found this helpful. I hope it gives you some things to think about so that you can improve the positivity with which you are being received out there in the interview. I know all of this is so new and uh, it is a completely new new process that you're embarking on but you know how to manage your image you have been judged on your image and your attire your entire military career it's part of how you are rated in the military and so this is no different it's just you're not being given a uniform it's a new kind of uniform and you just need to embrace it and try some new things and find out what feels most comfortable to you. So I wish you luck. Please please send me a message if you have any questions on what we talked about today. And I appreciate you listening. And before we sign off for today, would you do me a favor? Would you please go out and tell five friends about this show? We want to grow. We want to be in the ears of as many people as possible that are preparing for their transition And the more people that know about us, the more people we can impact. So if you would go out and share it with five people today, write a post on LinkedIn and tag five people that you know that are preparing for their transition. If you would do that for us, it would really help us out a lot. And I really appreciate you listening every week. Thanks. Talk to you later. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Lessons Learned for Vets podcast. If you learned just one lesson today that you believe can help you in your military transition, then I've done my job. Please don't keep this podcast a secret. Share it with as many of your active duty service member friends and transitioning veterans who may be struggling with that process as possible. Please subscribe to the podcast, leave us a review, and join our YouTube channel so you don't miss any lessons that we share.